ladies, welcome back to Weekly Haftorah. So this week is Parsha Svayas Chanan, and it's also Shabbos Nachmu. So this week we have a special Shabbos, which means that our Haftorah is not necessarily tied to the Parsha. So since that's the case, um, I'm not necessarily going to spend time on the Parsha this week because um, the Haftorah is more independent. So I wanted to speak for a second about what Shabbos Nachamu is and why this week is special. So Shabbos Nachamu's name for the special Haftorah we have this week, um, it's very aptly named for the first line in the Haftorah, which says, Nachamu Nachamu Ami Yomar Elokechem, which means comfort, comfort, my people, says Hashem. Um, as we mentioned last time, Tishabav, basically it affects our yearly cycle for 10 weeks. Um, three weeks prior to Tishabav, we have the Tlat the Pura Nusa, which is the three Haftorahs warning us of our, basically of our impending punishment. And afterwards, we have the Shiva Haftarahs and the Hamta, which is the seven that basically comfort us after we've gone through this experience of Tishabav. To speak a little bit about why we have that sort of numeric balance later. Um, there are some Ashkenazic halachic sources. Um, one is actually written by a student of the Rashba, which discuss Shabbos Nachmu, and they describe that it should actually be treated like a yontif. They say the food should be of higher than average quality this Shabbos. Um, they tell us it's a bit um, more elevated from the other um, seven Shabbases that are, you know, we're experiencing comfort from after Tisha B'Av. So our Haftorah this week is coming from Sefer Yeshayahu. So as always, I'm going to talk about some historical context before we get started. So Yeshayahu begins prophesizing in Yehuda, which is the southern of the two kingdoms, after the kingdoms have split, but before the ten tribes are exiled. Um, he prophesizes during the reign of four kings, those kings are Uziyahu, Yotam, Ahaz, and Chizkiyahu. Um, those are the four kings of Yehuda, which are also mentioned in several other contemporary Nevi'im. His Nevuah begins prior to the destruction of the first temple and the expulsion of the ten tribes, which topically you know, makes sense given what his um, prophecies are dealing with. He was a contemporary of Yonah, of Hosea, and Amos, who are all prophesizing about Hashem's warning to the Jews that if we don't do tshuva for all of the sins that are going on at this time, um, namely the big three, so Avodazar, Shvichas Damim, and Yilue Arayos, so that's murder, idol worship, murder, idol worship, and um, improper sexual relationships. Hashem's warning us that if we don't do tshuva for those three um, Averas, that... Um, you know, basically a lot of bad things are going to happen. So some of the main trademarks of Yeshayah, whose nevuah include um, warnings of the destruction of the first temple and the exile of the ten tribes that can happen if the Jews don't do tshuva. It's important to note that m- many of these nevuahs are conditional. So it's not saying this is going to happen, it's saying this is going to happen if you don't do tshuva. And there's also a lot of vivid descriptions in Yeshayahu of what the reality of the Messianic era will look like. And that is sort of the category that our Haftorah this week falls into. So this week, we're working in Perak Mem, Sukim Aleph through Chafav, so that's chapter 40, verses 1 through 26. So in sum, this Haftorah is really aiming at comforting us from this 
experience that we've gone through this week of losing our temple, assuring us that everything in the end is going to be okay and is really sort of, in a way, like the thesis of these next seven weeks of comfort that we're going to hear from. So the first two lines are extremely famous. You probably know them from a song or from, you know, learning this before. So I'm going to read them inside and translate them now. It starts off, Pasuk Aleph, Nachamu Nachamu Ami Yomar Elokechem. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Dabru Alev Yerushalayim Vikiru Speak tenderly to Yerushalayim and declare to her, Ki that her term of service is over, Ki Nirza Avona, and that her sins are forgiven. Ki Lacha Meyad Hashem Kaflayim Bechol Chatzoseya. She's received at the hand at at God's hand double for all of her sins. So this last sort of piece of the pasuk, you might be wondering about why would we receive double punishment for all of our sins? Um, great question. Rashi answers it, and he says that this is actually the fulfillment of a warning in Yirmiyahu that Hashem would act as such if there's no tshuva. So. Yirmiyahu is also prophesizing before the destruction of the first temple, and Hashem gives that warning in this other nevuah, so it lines up. Normally, Hashem wouldn't mete out double punishment, um, but here he does because it was explicitly warned. So these first pesukim are telling us just try to calm down. The worst is over, and it's really kind of what we need to hear after Tisha B'Av. So this half Torah at length is discussing God in relationship with the Jewish people through a series of um, sort of nature metaphors. So all of God's actions here are discussed in terms of how he drives natural forces and how nature responds to his influence. So I'm going to pick sort of two metaphors that I found particularly noteworthy and talk about them. Um, as always, I encourage you to use the link, go into the text then and read it in full in Hebrew if you can or in the translation. Um, but I wanted to just zoom in on two that I feel like, you know, give important messages um, for this Haftor as a whole. So the first one I want to zoom in on begins in Pasuk Vav. Um, sort of halfway through the Pasuk, it says, Kol basar kol sade. Um, It says, all flesh is like grass, and its goodness is like flowers of the field. Grass withers, flowers fade, when the breath of Hashem's breath blows on them. Um, indeed, people are but grass. It finishes off. Um, grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of Hashem is always fulfilled. Um, this metaphor, I, I picked it because it's essentially reminding us that the only eternal thing in this world is God. It talks about how the grass and how the flowers, they look you know, green and plush and lively now, but at the end of the day, all plant life, it always fades away. It always goes through that sort of tachias amazing process of dying and coming back. It's very, it's very transient. Um, and this is God sort of reminding us that he's not the same. Humans even go through that same process of regenerating with time. New generations come up, old ones, um, you know, go on to the next. But Hashem always stays the same and his promises are always true. And because of that, like we can trust that these nevuas are going to come true. Uh, the second description I wanted to mention is found in, uh, begins in Pasuk Chaf Beis, and 
it's helping us see things from God's perspective. So it reads, Hayoshev al chug haaretz, Hayoshevea kechagavim, Venotea kedak shemaim, Vaisnachem kaochel lashavis. It says, It's God who is enthroned above the vault of the earth, so that its inhabitants seem like grasshoppers. He spreads out the skies like gauze or like fluff, and he stretches them out like a tent to dwell in. It finishes off Hanosen Rosnim Lain Shofte Haaretz Ketohu Asa. Says he brings monarchs into nothingness and makes rulers of the earth as nothing. Um, I feel like the closest thing we have to the perspective that these Sukkim like, describe is, you know, the have deal, of course. We don't really understand Hashem's perspective, but maybe we feel this closest when we're sitting in an airplane. We get really the scale of like how how small everything can seem when you're at that higher perspective and when you have, you know, a different viewpoint than you usually do. And this metaphor is really reinforcing to us also how much bigger Hashem is than we are. That, you know, maybe that gives us some perspective on why, you know, we we just went through being punished for communal sins, that that both the things we do as individuals and a nation count. So, Shem, when he has that overarching perspective of viewing the sins of the whole nation, you know, he, he sees what, what the state is of the whole nation and where they're holding and, you know, acts accordingly. Um, so to finish off, I wanted to speak a little bit about why we have this Haftorah specifically this week and what it's supposed to do for us. So as, you know, we, no- we noted, there's three Haftorahs of punishment and seven of comfort. So why that imbalance? Um, I think it's because Tisha B'Av, which is sort of the center of all of this in time, has two purposes. One, obviously, to acknowledge the sins that led us to the destruction of both temples and so many other tragic events in Jewish history, but also, two, to spur us to do tshuva for those sins. It's to help us reflect and help us understand, like, what did we do as a nation? Where did we go wrong? Yesterday, in, in a very small sense, um, reading Eicha, I understand how small of a sense it is, but in some sense, we relived that spiritual trauma of losing the base of Mikdash. We read Eicha, we saw things from the perspective of someone that was inside of the walls of Yerushalayim when this destruction was happening. We spent a day in mourning. We felt even a small bit of the hunger and the suffering that the Jews who lived through this or didn't live through this felt during the Chorban. We, as best as we could, put ourselves back in their shoes. And the point of all of this is to wake us up, to remind us of how much it hurts Hashem when we have the opportunity to do tshuva and we don't take it. This, you know, sort of Puranos that came by Tisha B'av, it, it wasn't out of nowhere. The Nevi'im had been, for lack of a better term, screaming at Am Yisrael for hundreds of years of, this is going to be what happens if you, don't, if you don't do tshuva. Hashem is telling me that, you know, you need to, to fix this or else really bad things are going to happen. We had that gift of Nevi'ah and we ignore it. And these Haftorahs of comfort um, sort of lasting all the way through Elul to Rosh Hashanah is sort of a parallel to that, right? The whole energy of Elul is tshuva and sort of cheshbon and nefesh and reflecting on what your actions are. And 
So Tisha B'Av, in, in a way, is that wake-up call and these Haftorahs that are sort of reminding us, hearkening back to Tisha B'Av all the way through Elul, is, is there to remind us a bit, you know, this is your opportunity to do chuba. Take advantage of it, because if you, if you don't on a large scale, on a national scale, that builds up, and it hasn't ended well in the past. Um, so Hashem's reinforcing to us at this time that we have a special relationship, that he loves us and he wants our tshuva. And all throughout Elul, when we're reading the bulk of these Haftorahs that are reminding us constantly, Elul's the right time to do that. These Haftorahs are reminding us of the value. So, you know, I think Tishabav makes much more sense when you use it as an opportunity to look forward and to understand, like, like I said, how did we get here? What was my role in it? How can I fix it? And that is what we all sort of have to daven for in these next few weeks while we're seeing these haftoras. So, uh, you know, we have to daven that we be zoha to have, you know, hiru chuva that we have these these ideas of how we can improve and the clarity to know what the practical steps um, we can take to do that are, both personally and on a national level. So... I hope this gave you guys a few things to think about over Shabbos, you know, as you're sort of recovering from Tisha B'Av. I hope everybody's physically feeling okay and, and is, you know, recovering well and um, has a good Shabbos. So I will hopefully be in touch next week. Um, I will actually be moving back to Chutzlaretz in the middle of the week. So um, it's going to be a bit crazy. I'm actually hoping that while I'm on the airplane, I have plenty of time to, to prep this year for next week and that... Um, I'll be able to give it over, but just note that because I'll be traveling and everything, I, I'm not sure where I'll be. So um, hoping to see you next week, if not the week after, and everybody should have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll be in touch.